Hello and welcome to the Film Island podcast. I'm here with Aoife Crean. Uh, we're in the Lighthouse Cinema as her film, The Last Right, is screening inside with a, with a packed audience. I mean, I, I, I think the, the Irish sense of humour is just brilliant. Mm. And I, I love the way um, in like the kind of darkest moments of despair, someone will crack the funniest joke. And it actually just makes you feel better. Like it, it, it's, it, it is like a kind of, uh, you know, medicinal pill. But um, I always think it's just brilliant. I mean, I've been living in the UK for the past 10 years and I, I come home loads. Um, so I kind of have one foot basically in each country, but I'm always struck by the, the sense of humour um, like of everyone I see here and the kindness and the, and the kind of the, I don't know, it's quite distinctive I think the Irish sense of humour and, um, and I don't think there's anything like it, so um, it cracks me up all the time. So I, I definitely, I wanted to kind of bottle it a little yeah. I wanted to bottle what I loved about, what I love about Ireland. Um, and that is the, the sense of humour, the kindness, the, the landscape. I mean, I think when we were so lucky, we got to film actually in Comic Guilty for real um, up in Rathlin Island. And that was one, I think there's, you have to probably pick and choose your fights as a director. Um, I probably fought <laughs> all the time. <laughs> but, but definitely I knew that the big one, um, the really crucial one was that we had to film down there because and Anne up in Rathlin because there's a quality to the light in County Guilty and um, in Inchidani on, on that day that you just can't cheat like nothing good because there was like location managers that were trying to get us they're suggesting Wicklow and Silver Strand and I was just like oh my god no like just just no just just because it's like um, it just it's hard you can't you can't put your finger it gives the and it's so and for me the, and also like the landscape and the light up in Rathlin is then a different thing in itself and for me it kind of the, the la- landscape and nature is a part of the story and a really important part of the story because Daniel has come back he's been living in New York and he's come back and it's like it's kind of like you know it's definitely you know an element of you know with Porter dying beside him in the plane element of you know fate or destiny yeah. or, you know but it's it's kind of like he's healed by the journey itself and the landscape and I think um, definitely when I have a hard time nature helps like hugely um, and, and also Cork people love seeing Cork on the screen oh my god it's so <laughs> I mean West Cork is so, so beautiful so and stunning. I think a lot like I'm originally from Cork because oh, I'm allowed yeah yeah oh, I'm, I'm allowed like <laughs> make comments about what people from Cork like sort of <laughs> even though I sound like I yeah. shouldn't <laughs> but yeah no I just think it, for so long I think it has been overlooked as a, as a hub for things and things like the Young Offenders did a really oh God, good the job of putting it on the map but I do think like you know where people love going look at Clonic Kilty it's, look so, it. it's so cinematic <laughs> look how pretty it is yeah like the, you know. <laughs> the curve of the like roads and the, the all the nooks and crannies. it's like real kind of like feel like you can actually see you know the way the shape of Ireland is on the map with all like the kind of the teddy bear bits and stuff like I feel like you can like see that and like kind of in the, the curves around in Westport it's like um but it's uh it was actually I was so thrilled that it went down so well in Cork because it was like you know Cork people judging it I was like I was always afraid that like someone people from Cork would be like oh he's, he's driving the wrong way there you know <laughs> but um it's uh but that was amazing that, that they embraced it and loved it it was like um and also the other the massive relief was um 
we have it got such a talented actor Samuel Bottomley he is unbelievable oh my god he's like I have like a star yeah I have notes and I'm like X is an X to his name I was like you can't forget to bring him up because he is just such charisma oh my god such comic timing (laughs) such charm like there's so many lines and he just sells them like it's a kind of very deadpan like he is amazing (laughs) and two very established actors like you know you're kind of in the midst of them it's very easy to get overshadowed or do that but he really like just holds his own and he's like I am here this is me doing this role he he is such a rare talent like he um because if anyone sees the film and then hears him speak because he's got like he's from Bradford and he's got this like thick like Bradford accent <laughs> I saw his name Bottomley yeah me and I was like oh he's not from because he's not I thought it was he's kind not of from Cork yeah he honestly yeah. he, he, he's, he's so yeah. like that he could handle the accents and autism yeah. it's just like he and I mean I was blown away by him in his first audition tape it was just like oh my god who is that because he um it was funny, a lot of, we saw some incredible actors um, for it, and a lot of them were externalizing, yeah. like Louis, or, the, or the, the traits of autism, or the kind of what you expect of autism, um, whereas Samuel had just completely internalized the character, and so it was, and he was, it was such a quiet, understated, subtle, but so much was going on with him. It was like you really? couldn't take your eyes off him, and it was, um, and I just thought, and he was like 17 when we filmed, and to have he's, he's just such a natural talent his instincts are just like spot on and he um, and similar with the accent we worked with the dialect coach um, and she did a really interesting thing which was so helpful was yeah. she um, adapted his script basically so that everything was spelled out phonetically oh, wow. um, for him and then cause yeah. it, um, and, so, and I had that script as well and kind of when we you know do because she was based in the UK so when we were shooting in Ireland they were Skyping yeah. and, but actually Skype was great because she could spell out you know in the little speech bubble she could yeah. spell the words out phonetically as they were going and it's like um, and then actually my brother-in-law from Cork uh, wonderful day from you and oh. um, he uh, gave him some kind of I wanted him to speak to like just a you know a real authentic Cork person yeah. <laughs> so they would just kind of have chats and stuff and um but uh, yeah, he was, I mean, I think Sam was going places for sure. Oh my God, like he just got me about four or five different times. Like they were just, and again, you said that he just internalized everything and he could just see it, like, and your heart would be breaking. Yeah. At these moments, like, and again, that's that's what I thought, like, it's, it's hard to be in a room with those two. It's hard to tackle something as, as kind of big as autism and yeah. have certain expectations. It's hard to be in a room with two such stars being so young and just starting out in your career and then to like oh my god like like just the way he dealt with things like he got me he got me about four times oh, I was like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a Wednesday afternoon <laughs> <laughs> well he was um I mean, as I said, we did, like, yeah. I mean, I had done tons of research on autism. I, like, I didn't set out to write a script about autism or with an autistic character. Louis kind of appeared pretty fully formed. He just really was Louis. And then Louis happened to have autism. And so yeah. I thought, okay, God, I need to learn, find out about this. Yeah. So um, I just did tons of research and then got really great and valuable help from the National Autistic Society in the UK, this wonderful man called Chris Pike who's um, 
they're like media consultant he's autistic himself and I mean Chris just blows apart every assumption you have of autism it's like he's a stand-up comic for one thing in his spare time and he and we ended up doing he had actually taken a year gone take a sabbatical from the National Autistic Society to go and teach in China so during rehearsals we were Skyping from China and I was sending Chris tapes of Samuel and then Sam and then Chris would watch them and then Sam and I and Chris would Skype and, and chat about it and it more kind of um, Chris kind of he gave me confidence as a writer because it was like all of that research that I'd done to the point when, before Chris had read the script was it was on the right track because one of the things I was really conscious of was um, in everything I'd seen I was really moved by the amount of parents that were really frustrated by the kind of Rain Man stereotype of yeah. autism that it's like that that was what was kind of mainly out there and and so I really wanted to just you know let Louis be Louis and you know and like like he's Louis first and, and actually that we, we got really good great help from the Irish Society for Autism um, as well and they have a wonderful mantra which is personality first autism second yeah. and so that was kind of our approach it's like it's Louis first <laughs> and it's like you know Louis is Louis and you know yeah so, so that was um, yeah and we just really wanted to I, I mean I you know just as every single person is different like you and I are completely different and different experiences react differently to things so does each autistic person so it's like no you know I think there's a saying that you know if you've met one autistic person you've met one autistic person it's like so like no one is and, and so we and kind it's of so different like any yeah. neurological um, disorder like that or any just any any issue that comes up like it, it presents so differently and even the way it presents in young people compared to old people compared to women compared to men yeah like, yeah it, it's it's just completely different and I do think there's so many it's so easy to stereotype about stuff so I I thought that's what this film did amazingly well it's just present and really address it in a way that was very informative but not overly expositional okay like, cool. yeah yeah they thought, like this is a writer as well i'd be aware of exposition and you'd be like yeah oh, don't do it but i was don't like it's very it. natural and it's people correcting people but in a really funny way oh, and it's good. part of the joke and i was like oh, that's really good i actually have another little note that i wanted to chat to you about the dialogue oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> where it was like i was enamored with the dialogue oh, like when i was there it was just like the you got the irish humor you got the snappy comebacks you got the, the relationships really fully formed and the characters really fully formed where I think sometimes that's where certain things, especially films around issues, don't necessarily deliver in that same way that you really, like you, you're there watching these characters for a very short period of time and you get a sense of who they are, you get a sense that they're real, that they're three-dimensional, that, you know, that we're watching them now but that they've existed before oh great yeah yeah i mean they really did um exist for me <laughs> like kind of i don't know i they 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 feel more like friends than characters if that makes sense. like i mean i had um i actually wrote the first outline for this eight years ago and um i it was very different it was and but and it almost got screenplay funding from the Irish Film Board and then didn't and I was gutted about that at the time but actually it worked out really well because I um, ended up working in a TV development company which was broke my heart at the time a little bit because I really wanted to write and I felt like I was 
kind of in limbo but I, but but the amazing thing about it was I read hundreds and hundreds of scripts and then um, when it came basically the characters just wouldn't go away like it was like I didn't I never thought I'm definitely going to come back and write it was like licking my wounds after the first kind of rejection but it's like but they just literally wouldn't go away and it was um Daniel I was on a plane coming back from somewhere and Daniel kind of came into my head and he was in like in New York and I was like oh gosh I didn't know Daniel had moved to New York like kind of in the same way as if a friend you know you just find out a friend had but it was like um so it was that kind of thing that so they were just kind of they they definitely felt very real for me and like Louis I mean I you know I yeah Louis was just pop he was just himself kind of from the get go and that's why I think it was so I was so thrilled to have found Samuel and actually the casting process that's I was surprised by how stressful and it's stressful and exciting that was but in the way sense that I knew. Um, Sam was Louie from the first his first audition take but we were seeing loads of people obviously and there was some concern about his accent would he because you know his thick Leeds accent yeah. how the hell is this 17 year old I know it's so it's so mad and it's like how the hell is this 17 year old going to pull off a cork accent of all accents and you know autism so we so kind of had to go through a fair few hoops him and I like we did, did a workshop audition that um, I filmed for the financiers and stuff and just and but it was in that there was a few weeks of where I was kind of like it can't it can't not be him like you know it, it just can't not be him but but oh my god what if they they don't let it be him but luckily everyone kind of you know was blown away by him and actually really interestingly and this is a good tip I think for the auditioning process so when in one of his auditions he or sorry his first audition so we'd seen his tape and I was so excited um, and he, when he came in then to meet us in person I was sitting beside we had a wonderful casting director Louise Kiley who's just yeah. brilliant oh she's fantastic oh my god yeah, yeah. so I was so lucky to get her um, and then so Louise and I were sitting close to the camera and Sam was just in front of us close to the camera and um, the other producers and Pippa was like at the far end of the room so further away from Samuel and so Samuel did his reading and um, Louise and I were both kind of blown away we were like oh my god it was like he's just magic and Pippa instantly thought she was like I'm really sorry she's like I hate I hate saying this but I, I don't think it's him mm-hmm. and I was so kind of devastated and confused I was like how can how could you how, how is it not him how could you not see what but then I realised it was actually what Sam does which makes him such a special actor is he he's so quiet in his performance that he's giving it all to camera it's like so he gives yeah. it's like the sm- he, he's internalized it so yeah. much that he's just kind of being and pippa was too far from 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 him it was like yeah. she was the other end of the room she wasn't seeing because we were seeing we were by the camera like we were camera basically and um, and so i was like okay just watch his tape just see like watch his tape and then see and yeah. then she watched the tape and she was like oh my god yes i see it so it was kind of, but that was a relief. Yeah, it was yeah. such. It was such a relief, but it's also interesting in that you could overlook, or you could be swayed by the kind of, oh my god, this, this, you know, maybe she's right, maybe it's, oh you, you, and it's kind yeah. of, and actually, it was literally just a case of where she happened to be sitting in the room at the time. And isn't that amazing? Yeah. Like, just say if, if you were sitting a little bit further back and didn't have your glasses on, that yeah, they, they, like, you it's, it's very simple. Yeah. Like, it, it just again, it's like that kismet thing. Where you're like, it's it's. it's you really yeah. have to be aware of things and it's simple but to I, miss things yeah. I think for like and that's for, for, for cinema it's like um, 
when you have an actor, and I think this was the case with all our actors, but that, that you could just watch them doing nothing. Mm. Like, I think that was like, I mean, Sam sitting there looking out the window was mesmerizing. Yeah. And it's like, and I think that's the real, and same with, I mean, Neve Alger is a fantastic actress. It's like, they each have so much presence and charisma. And they're yeah. all very different ways, which yeah. really gel together well yeah. as a unit. Like yeah. as someone watching it. Like I mean, they were very well written characters. That was that was very very clear. But they personified those very well as well. Oh good, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think the dynamic with Mikhail then, um, who was and he like he's a wonderful actress, and also Mikhail is a really generous actress. And like, does he have an American accent in real life? He did, well, it, it's, I like, was always sure. like my mouth is always open when I'm set sometimes, and he'd be on the phone to his family and he'd be speaking Dutch, and I'd be like, what? <laughs> it's like you're not American. And um, but he so he lives in New, he's. Uh, Dutch, 100% Dutch, um, but lives in New York, and um, so his accent is, it's an American, like, he's, he's not American, but he was doing an American accent, and, and, and I would, to me, his American accent was so natural yeah. and so good that I would just forget that he was, and it was also, that was really funny sometimes, because sometimes there were a few words, especially the Irish phrasing or syntax, which just, you know, kind of were, he, he, he'd have to ask me kind of to, you know, so what is or, or sometimes maybe if he wasn't quite quite saying it and it was yeah. it was a kind of a, it was a language thing but because he's so um and he's so kind of he looks so hollywood as well you kind of i i, I was just you know i still kind of see him as a, and he lives in new york as like an american that was that would there were some funny moments like that but he is an incredibly um, say he went down a hit in clonic kilty and <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> was oh yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, 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 definitely. They yeah. get a few points bought for him in the logo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so charming. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he was, um, as an actor, he's really generous um, and really supportive. Um, and that was because it was quite a tough schedule that we had. That was, um, it was 25 days and three of those were travel days. Yeah. Um, and we were going from Panacilty up to Rotten Island. Um, so it that's was... different. That's a lot of different kind of setups. Did you yeah. have to go back and do any pickups afterwards? Um, we did, we did um, landscape pickups. We okay. basically we, um, went back in and they, there was a mad panic because um, the, the weather was changing. And so in March, it was like the leaves were starting to come back on the trees, but we needed um, shots of the, the Volvo traveling through the landscape which we hadn't had time to get basically and that was another thing I was um I mean we had four days total for shooting every single thing inside the Volvo and every single thing inside the van and I was shocked by that at the beginning you know you kind of I mean you you have to wrangle the schedule and everything but I was like oh my god how on earth are we going to shoot I mean this is a road movie how are we going to shoot and and obviously you do and you kind of but it meant that we didn't um and again the cast and crew were amazing and they kind of they really and and Shane as a cinematographer he's he was a real gift because he's so quick and fluid and kind of um you know was and he loved the story and loved the script so he kind of was he just was always coming up with solutions it was like because there's I mean because there is like I mean pre-production was like possibly the most stressful pro- part of the process because there's so many spinning plates like I often yeah. thought about that I was like how the fact you said a road movie in Ireland and I was yeah. like, how the fuck does anyone do that? And what I thought was a movie, I was like, oh, how are you going to do that? But I was like, not one. And I was really like, how do you do this when you were watching it? And I did not. I was like, yeah, those are all completely valid and true things. You would not, like, there was not one thing that felt forced or felt oh, too kind of cool. I was like, 
oh, that was really good. I was like, oh, that was done really well. Oh, good. And even like, yeah. there was like, it's almost like kind of episodic. I was, because I was kind of watching out for that because I always thought about it. I was like, oh, like, we have such a nice landscape, but it's so small. Yeah. But, yeah. but I was kind of quite conscious of it. One, I didn't want to do a kind of a Hollywood, you know, Irish version of Ireland. So yeah. I wanted it to look and feel real, like yeah. the kind of Ireland that, you know, we, but, but that, so it, it, it is stunning, but it's stunning in a real way. And yeah. it's like, um, so like let's say for example leap year <laughs> you're like yeah oh, come on now. where it's all kind of green 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 and like yeah kind of, but also yeah. like everything that happens is just not something that would happen and, and you couldn't sell it yeah but i just thought like with this i was just watching going okay go on and then it was like no every single every single thing that happened is completely true nothing was overly coincidental it wasn't like oh my god a deer ran in front of the crash and we had to do this it was all very logical and had its place where so i was like well done oh good that was, okay that great. Was so well done okay like, great I had to say that, that was i was very impressed oh yeah. good well, I'm, thank you i'm, I'm delighted <laughs> it was um it all kind of just i think the beauty of a road movie yeah. is that you kind of you are following the journey so, so there is a kind of a natural logic and progression to the story um, in a way that you probably don't have with you know a film that never geographically doesn't move so it kind of that's the gift of a road movie genre I guess um, and it allows well I, I really like genre actually because I, I think um, it for me I, I just love Characters yeah. and I, I love the, like the, I love dialogue and I love so I think what genre and that's does, the theater yeah possibly well, yeah. yeah and you know just growing up with the van the commitments I mean that's why I was so chuffed to have Paul Meany um, but um, oh he's amazing yeah <laughs> and like um, I think you know there's a, a real Ireland does you know and then you know dialogue so well I, you know and then the so many plays I think and then the other thing I really love Parks and Recreation <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that like I think I've seen every episode like at least 20 times and the American Office The Office with Steve Carell yeah. that is so good especially from season 2 onwards it really just gets into its stride and the same with Parks yeah. and Rec it's season yeah. 2 onwards season two, it's almost yeah. when it starts it's when they yeah. find their, themselves kind of find their but what I love about both of those and I, I've just I've, I've, I've watched I can't count the hours. I probably spent at least a year of my life watching both of them. But um, the way they, the, the characters and the, the char- the, the way the comedy just comes out of the characters, and it's like mm-hmm. it's in, it's very. I love it. It's very inspiring, and I um, I think with the with the genre, it's like you kind of it's like you have the structure and the template there for the story, and um, which gives you room to then have you know let the characters breathe and let them. Because it's like the audience know that you know there is a beginning, middle, and yeah. end, and they're going on it. Because my mum would have growing up, um, you know, like laser and extra vision, and whenever we'd be going out to get to rent a movie, which was always God so exciting. Um, but my mum would always be shouting afterwards, "It's like make sure it is a good story. I want a good story." Mm-hmm. And um, that was kind of you'd ring her from the video shop. And, yeah, <laughs> and it's kind of great in the little bio, and then you yeah. go see it, and it's like God. <laughs> but you'd also, you know, it's kind of it was like. Um, it was just you kind of think well surely every film has a good story or you know surely every yeah. film sets out to have a good story but definitely it's it kind of um story and character and i also i love um what i love about cinema is the kind of the momentum of it like the motion of it the and um, the movements um, and so that's also why i was love 
so attracted by a road movie. It's like you can have that momentum and that movement. And it's like the constant beats, the, yeah. the character development over time, the, yeah. the bonding. But it, it's really good. But I, I want to chat to you a little bit about the development process, oh, actually. Yes. Because yeah. I think that's very interesting. You wrote that script eight years ago. That was first No, well, I, I wrote, no, that's, um, that's or, not, I, I wrote a, an outline that was very different. But it was the original idea, like kind of, of um, it was basically, I, I was inspired by a Radio 4 documentary that I heard about a man in Amsterdam who buries people that have known us to bury them. And I just thought that was so beautiful because he, he did it with real tenderness. Um, and I wanted to do, I thought I probably wouldn't get the rights and I wanted to do a version of it, my own version of it basically. And um, so, uh, but, so the outline then was, it was, it was a, the kind of, the same general idea and it had Daniel and his brother and Mary a, a version of Mary but the story was really different and it was just at outline stage yeah. um, and it, I think they were going at that time from Dublin to the Iron Islands yeah. so um, but then I didn't write the, the scripts until basically I had kind of um, a, a light bulb moment <laughs> it was like um, I, if I'd written the script down I don't think it would have been that good to be honest because I actually needed to go through a growing process enough as that sounds yeah. I, I just um, I, I, in the interim between that outline and it got it didn't get I was hoping it would get um, it got support from the Irish Film Board initially and they were encouraging it and then it didn't get funding and I was gutted at the time I was really kind of um, devastated by that um, and I, so I was like kind of shoved the story aside and was like and then kind of lost my confidence a little bit um, and was working in TV development um, for a few years, which felt quite painful at the time because it felt like a limbo and I felt like I was doing what, you know... Facilitating I, I, other stories. Yeah, well, and also it was that kind of thing yeah. of like, you know, oh, I should be happy because I'm in a creative role in a creative field, but it was like, um, it just wasn't... It felt like such a kind of... Uh, a, like a... a compromise or kind of a safe you know instead of being because I think actually to write and direct the first thing you need is brave yeah. <laughs> either like you need to be mental or brave and and uh, so I basically what happened then I was made redundant from that job but after I, I read hundreds of scripts and I hadn't all the scripts that I was reading were really there was so much crime like so much crime and um, and also I to be honest I was reading um, a lot of scripts I was reading some amazing scripts because the company I worked for which is Lookout Point actually now, and it was Lookout Point in its early days. And um, was um, so it had like a lot of high end scripts coming in, like from the top top writers. Yeah. Um, and it also had, um, they, they were like, I worked for head development, I was really interested in new writers, and so it was like also reading kind of you know fresh new scripts. And um, but I was kind of slightly blown away by the amount of not very good scripts that I was reading. Um, and they all had agents and stuff, yes. and I was kind of like, going, I know when you get to I can that stage, this. if you yeah. go into that development stage, that's yeah, you've yeah. already got an agent, you've already sold stuff, or you've already had work put on somewhere. Like, oh, and I was just, just get like, out of the blue. Yeah, and I just was like, kind of, I was, I was like, I know I can do this. I know I can kind of um, do this better, in not in an arrogant yeah. way, but just to kind of. And then I got made redundant from that job, which at first was like, oh my. So. It was probably as good as an MA in screenwriting. Yeah, like yeah, that, that was, looking back, because like, we had to do, MAs, yeah, yeah it, it was amazing, because we had to do, and I had a really um, kind of tough boss who was, you know, really, we to do tons of script reports, and I loved reading the scripts, 
and I hated doing the script reports. I mean, I wasn't a great student in school. I was, but it did kind of really sharpen my critical um, skills. And I think then, so then I was made redundant, and then I and um, everyone else was telling me, like family and friends, to kind of immediately get another job quickly ASAP um, in in t- TV, and uh, people were sending out introductions and everything. And I just like you know, and something inside you is like kind of I was like the thought of doing that like something like dying inside so I just kind of thought no I, if, if I'm not gonna if I don't write now I'm never gonna do it and the last writer was kind of bursting out of me so I, I just kind of and I just had fun I think that was the the, the, the turning point for me as a writer was basically um, I was like before I'd always been kind of waiting for funding or kind of applying for funding and then I'm devastated and I didn't get it and then kind of using that as a kind of oh I must not be good enough mm-hmm. whereas with um the real turning point was I was just like I'm going to do this because I want to do it um, and I love it and it's you know I can do anything I want in my free time right now and this is what I want to do and and I just had fun and it was like and I loved the process of writing I loved um, the characters um, and I just kind of followed them and I was just kind of happy yeah. <laughs> and so happy doing it and it just kind of poured out and then I took that draft and um, I finished that after I was like, oh, it just felt so great to have, you know, that, that story kind of on a, in a really raw state on the page. But I showed it to Pippa and Cross, who I'd worked um, as an assistant for um, years ago. And she'd been exec producing my first short and she'd been like really encouraging over the years. And then is I also, she with Dead No, or, she's, yeah. in, in, she's her own company called Cross Day in London. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. she actually, she was um, produced my left foot years ago. Oh, um, and for so Granada. Good, yeah. yeah, when she was with Granada. And, and then um, she went out on her own. And, and, and then um, I also showed it to um, a friend in that TV company, um, yeah. Lookout Point, I was talking about. And um, one of the really great things about that was I met this wonderful um, friend and producer, Casey Herbert. We actually job shared. And she um, is one of she's the other producer that on um, this Pippa Cross, Paul Donovan and Casey, yeah. um, on the last right. And she so I showed it, sent it to Pippa and to her, and she, they both loved it, and they both gave really great notes. Um, and so then I kind of used their notes and did another draft, um, and I went back to Clamkilty to finish that. Took a few, a few weeks um, off, and and what I did during that whole time was instead of everyone telling me to get another job on TV I didn't want my creative brain to be used because what was happening was yeah. when I was working in TV development that side of my brain was too tired then at the end of the day to do my own stuff so I and I knew I just wanted to focus on I just wanted I just loved the last right so much and it's it not like in a you know I don't know it just it felt I loved the feeling of it I was like I love how it made me feel and I took a job as a receptionist in a church which was an amazing which is because it meant that I could you know I, I you didn't could be writing all day yeah. and you kind of have an office to go to it's like a free we work or yeah something. or even my mind yeah. was free do you know what yeah. I mean like even if I didn't even if I had to be like, even if I couldn't physically write in the job I could yeah. be thinking about it and, and daydreaming about it so um, that was a kind of a critical decision in the end and um, and then what happened was I, so I, based on Pippa and Casey's notes, I did a, a, a draft that was kind of like the, my send out draft. So I thought, okay, this is now ready to go out into the world. And I, I actually, I did think at that point, I was like, now I'm ready for an agent. And I'd never tried to get an agent before that. I think I had flirted with a couple of agents in my, in my, my, my first short film, Two Peas. And I'd met a couple after they'd seen it, but I wasn't ready then. And I know that kind of sounds like, because... I, I just I think you you know when you're ready for and it's and it's kind of I think it's when you're when you've made the decision that you're going to write just for yourself. Yeah, but it's, 
you were you had mentioned earlier about the instincts thing yeah well, i think it's when you learn to trust your in- instincts yeah like i mean i i think yeah. the, the producers used to tell me you know you don't make everything into a fight and i think yes and no i mean i think yeah. as a director it's it's you need to fight for stuff and yeah. but it's stuff that you believe in yeah and and i think i made probably my biggest learning curve was actually on my second short film through the mistakes i made on it yeah and that was interesting as well as in kind of discovering what i what i felt comfortable with as a writer director or director and not so then then when it came to writing the last right and i realized actually the key to this is just to listen to my gut instinct, even in the writing process. Because it's funny, as a writer, you're, um, you're, you know, it's just you on your own, your pajamas and a cup of tea. <laughs> and then um, when it comes to directing, suddenly there's 50 people in your face um, from like seven o'clock in the morning till midnight. And there's just, every, you don't get a second to yourself, like in pre-production and production. And I think it's really critical that you find a way to listen to everyone's, because you're working with so many talented people, so you can listen to their suggestions and be open to um, to everything, but you're also open to yourself. And, and you've got to kind of always check back in, how does, how does it feel, how, like how, kind of, basically just, the in, your instincts are the only thing that you have. And if you're not listening to your instincts, then, you're not creating anything new I think it's like that's what makes stuff original is if you kind of it's you it's your point it's your point of view otherwise it's like it could be anyone's and but that was definitely a lesson I had to learn um, and it wasn't a valuable one Um, and 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 even on that kind of instinct thing like the like I mean we were so lucky we had Shane um, Kelly who shot Boyhood and works with Richard Linklater as our cinematographer and that was such a dream um, and we had like just a really other really talented um, head of department like Suzanne Kyo did a really wonderful job on costume and um, we were just yeah just really really lucky so I always wanted to know who I always wanted to I figured I there's only one shot to hear someone's own instincts before yeah. I muddy the water for them yeah and that's the same with like the actors and the um, heads of department so it's like I always wanted to hear their first take yeah. Um, on something and then we could have a collaborative discussion and then it's like you kind of listen to them but also listen to myself and then kind of go with that basically yeah. it's like that wins out that always wins out like yourself yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, and same like working with the actors I think I mean I really love actors I think they're really brave um, and I think it's um, I used to want to be an actress when I was a teenager but yeah. that was because I didn't really know I, I was in love with the feeling, I was in love with the way films made you feel, yeah. but I didn't really know what a director did, and I didn't, even though I was writing a lot at the time with like little short stories and poems, I didn't really see myself as a writer, kind of, um, but so, um, and I loved, and kind of my background is in theatre, like directing, like kind of not, I, I broke away from it really early, so it's like kind of amateur theatre directing, but um, I, I studied it at, at Trinity, um, and then I had a really great experience working in the Edinburgh Fringe with the guys who went on to become Dead Cat Bounds. Oh, I love they're, them. Yeah, <laughs> they're so, they're so funny. oh my god, so hilarious, yeah. and they're they're just brilliant and so talented. Yeah. Um, 
and so we had a great time there called Las Albatross at the time and, and that was a real kind of education and comedy I guess and, and then but I love so anyway I, I love working with actors and I, I then did kind of um, plays and, and uh, like short plays like in workshops in, in London working with actors um, but the main thing I always wanted to do I wanted to hear the like, I think actors, I mean, because their whole business is their instinct, yeah. like, and they have more than anyone else, and they, they just, they, they know that they have to listen to them. And so I think um, I always wanted to see an actor's first instincts as well, rather than, again, I never, ever wanted to be telling them what to do, like, you need to go here or do that. It was like, kind of like, go where you think you should go, yeah. and then that's, that's, like, that's the first step, and let's take it from there. It's like, follow the actors, basically. And Shane and I had... Um, established this really great um, way of working that I don't think was great for Johnny, our first AD. I think it made his life, um, Johnny Shaw, who's a yeah. really great, and um, but I think it made his life more difficult because um, on my second short, that where I kind of um, learned a lot through. This is empty? Yes, yeah, yes. which is, and it lovely film cast. Based. Yeah, film based, based. Yeah, so um, and it had an amazing cast and, and crew, and um, the wonderful Hannah James is in it. And, but, um, but what I didn't, um, so I, I, anyway, did, I learned a lot by, in a way, doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, but and that kind of all gave you your skill set for um, the last right. Yeah, yeah. Com- all the mistakes that you get to make yeah. along the way, or, yeah, or like even things that you learn. Well, completely, because yeah. it was like one of the mistakes I made there was I over storyboarded. Yep. And, and so I kind of had all these storyboards I plotted out before that, that meant then when it came to that, I was trying to kind of follow the storyboard or, or yeah. trying to and I was ignoring the reality of what was happening on set or in front of me and I think you've kind of the crucial thing you've got to do is just because everything changes all the time and things never work out as planned and you've just got to kind of literally be in the moment go with the flow yeah. and so um, what Shane and I we didn't really have shot lists I mean there were for certain kind of key action scenes like the mixer exploding and the van chase there were really basic storyboards and um, but there were um we and we didn't even really do shot lists except for i i i don't think we ever did one to be honest yeah. i mean i might be misremembering but if you have but, 25 um, days to do a shoot yeah, yeah. it was just like. a kick but but what we did which i think was much performance wise was so much better with them um, we the actors and I we had a week's rehearsal which is amazing before shooting with the with um Samuel and um, Nikhil and Neve who played with the three leads and um, we got together and uh, had a full week where they were kind of bonding and talked about character and kind of it meant we all had a shorthand when it came to set yeah. and so when we get to a location we do a rehearsal um, and it would be just me every we kind of me and the actors would kind of run through a scene I'd watch them see what they where they wanted to go what they wanted to do and kind of so we'd kind of rehearse it and block it like that and then we'd bring Shane in and Shane and I would watch it and Shane would watch kind of yeah what we had kind of decided was you know and then he and then Shane and I would talk about camera so it was like camera was following the actors as opposed to us making the actors follow the camera that's a very interesting kind of way of staging and I think because certain people will be like no it has to be like this but I mean to, to go and have a bit of freedom with the performance because sometimes it can be surprising and they're the yeah. best thing well also I yeah. think it should always come from the actor like they, it should be like if you were telling them I mean obviously there are certain you know cases where they need to go to a certain place where they need to kind of be in a certain spot but like the less you can do that for me anyway the better because it's like if it comes from the actor then 
it's more, just more organic. It's like kind of, it's, it's coming from whatever they feel like they need to, to do. Perfect. And also like, um, I mean, Mikhail has so much, so many, like just tons of experience of being on set and working with the directors. Um, and you know, this was my first film. So it was like, and he was really collaborative and really supportive. And so, and he had great ideas. So it was kind of, I think if you're too rigid with your own preconceived ideas, just because yeah. you think you have to be, or you think that's what a director does, it's like, oh my God, I need to know exactly what I'm doing when I get to set. Yeah. I don't think that, I think that's kind of uh, trying, it's like trying to be the idea of a director rather yeah. than I think actually just listening to your actors <laughs> <laughs> and like your TOP and, and then kind of, rolling with it a bit yeah. and kind of um, and I think if you know the characters inside out you kind of you just you know what the um, and then obviously there's like you know the pressures of the schedule as well it's like and 25 days and location stuff like yeah. just bonkers well, tw- it was, also it was 25 days minus 3 days of travel yeah. um, because we actually went from Hamakilty up to Rathlin and, and we were then and that was I mean that was amazing and I'm so grateful the fair play to the producers because everyone was telling us and then you know this was crazy it's like you, you, surely you're not going to go to Clannacilty and Rotten Island and you know here's a picture of Silverstrand Beach and Wicklow and won't that do um, and I was going to say yeah. I want I'm very conscious of time because I know yeah. I'm keeping your time yeah. for so long but I really wanted to get to the end of the development because I think that's oh, so sorry, interesting yes. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you were sending it out to agents? Oh yeah, so and then I had um, a really, I mean I did milk all my contacts um, yeah. with came, came to the last drive, but there was a you lovely... Get, you get one bash at that as well, yeah. you know, especially if you're working in the industry. Yeah. And it's also, I hadn't done, it was like a kind of, I knew, um, I knew I loved the last right and I was proud of it and I wanted people to read it, so therefore I wanted to milk my contacts, you know, and I hadn't done before. Yeah. So I um, sent the script to a really lovely man called Nigel Stafford Clark, Nigel Stafford Clark, who's a kind of legendary TV producer um, in the UK. And I had he had shared an office, and I was working for Pippa Cross, the producer as an assistant. Nigel shared an office, and um, and so that's how I got to know him. And then I, he also worked at Lookout Point. And so anyway, I sent it to him and said, um, "Could you have a read of this? And if you think it's good, would you mind introducing me to an agent?" And um, and he was amazing. And he came back and he said he loved it and he thinks it really has something. And he said, um, "I've just sent it to." Um, a really it's a, a one one agent and then he, he mentioned two names basically and then I was like okay great I mean thank you and then he came back and said actually the one person he planned to send it to wasn't I can't remember what had come up so he said but I'm going to send it to Kathy King is and I knew of Kathy um from working in the TV development I kind of because you, you're working with agent lists and writers lists a lot so I kind of knew of her and her I mean she's Abby Morgan's agent like, kind of, <laughs> oh it's like I mean I like I was like I mean her clients yeah. are amazing and I was like oh my god and I was like okay well that's great you're sending it to her but yeah right kind of thing like I mean um but then anyway and I was amazed and um, and I think, you know, what makes Kathy an amazing agent is that even though she has such a massive client, it was like she was open to reading it and, yeah. she, and, she, and she read it and she was open to, um, and we, we met and um, I, I was just kind of, I mean, I'm still kind of, can't believe she's, <laughs> she's talking, but she, and then she was, so she was really supportive and she's, and she's a really amazing agent, she's kind of old school, but I don't know, yeah. she's kind of, um, but she was really supportive and um 
it was, it was also she was with Independent at the time so actually it was, she was my agent and a really lovely amazing agent called Dykenna Abikwi and, and so the, and he's, he's amazing and a real high flyer and the, the two of them basically sent it out to loads of people and, and they were kind of they, I mean, they seemed amazed I was certainly amazed we just got the most incredible response from um, producers and from everyone like, I mean they're sending out for general reads I'm kind of um, people and so um, they one of the so I just met loads of people and then um, uh, Baby Care actually came on board Gabby Tana um, and that was amazing and so exciting but then it came to a point where it was like okay Baby Care wanted, were interested in doing it um, and with Gabby and then Pippa and Casey was, and it was like and then um, I'd actually worked for Paul as a script editor Paul Donovan with the producer um, before and um he was also working with Baby Cow and so it kind of all seemed like this great, um, perfect marriage but it actually was a little bit too top heavy with producers yeah. um, and it was like, I think, so it, there wasn't, I mean, too many chefs I don't think are, um, and in the end then um, uh, Gabby ended up stepping back and becoming executive producer for a while and then it kind of just organically, I mean I'll forever be grateful to her because she had amazing notes I mean she's an amazing producer like she's gosh um, and so I was just amazed that she was involved in the first place but um but she had um she had really really great she her notes were really they were simple and they were headline yeah. and they were um uh, and actually in that kind of that draft that I'd written at the time I had gone too far away I, it wasn't right and she was really instrumental in being like this isn't about you know she was like you need to take a step back and go back to Mm. to kind of you know you need to find to take a moment and and, and find it again you know I've writers, that rewriters so yeah. many times and then they'll kind of almost write back to something that's close to the original one yeah and they'll go in different directions and then there'll be something in the original that they'll kind of go back to a lot yeah so many different drafts and it's definitely yeah. wonderful like the collaborative nature of filmmaking is what makes it so wonderful and magic and so you want to hear the people's kind of and, and, and all it's kind of like you go through this you know you get all these notes and you go through like it's not necessarily that the note might not be the right note but what there's just something in what they're saying that you have to find it yourself and it's like and you know you do always these solutions that you that come as a result of the notes that you never would have got to on your own but i think you always have to take a moment of just taking going back to yeah what you feel is right what you think and i then from that moment on I kind of like I never did anything I didn't think the character you know I was like and also keeping the tone right I think that was the biggest because bit the last right if you nudged it too much one way it went to forest yeah. and if you nudged it too much the other way it went to kind of you know social realism so yeah. <laughs> it's um it was that was the trickiest part of both the writing and not so much the directing actually but the editing writing and the editing the tone was the trickiest part because I knew in the shoot I just wanted the performances to be as straight as possible yes and it, it does salad and again I mean and then it just allows for the humor to happen and it's, yeah. it's based on the situations which I think is yeah. a classic style of comedy so you said then so this was they were the producers attached you finally had a script that you were happy with the film board were on board yes yeah they gave eight well, what's right? The game-changing yeah. moment yeah. that um, so then once it was, we were happy with the script, um, E1 came on board, oh, wow. and that was still. I mean, I'm still pinching myself that E1 came on board at script stage, and it was a, a wonderful man who's head um, 
Alex Hamilton and um, Poonam um, were they were really supportive they already wanted to tie on Alex Hamilton's head and they were so supportive of the script and so supportive of me which again I was amazed by as like you know first time director that this massive distributor um, was coming on board and then they um, with when they came on board um, then and, and Dervla Regan Keith Potter had left the Irish film board and Dervla Regan came in and she's so she's really really great in script because she's so tough on it in a way that is tough as when you're going through the process like it's like oh my god I kind of but it's like but she's but she's so right and she's to be that tough and it, and it makes she made the script so much better and um, by forcing me to make it better do you know what I mean like not ex- by kind of really pushing me and I think that's um it's you know she's brilliant at that and um so that was that was really great and so then kind of and then through Derba's support and kind of championing she was really pushing for it to, to get the highest award that the 800 which was amazing yeah. so between getting that 800 grand and E1's contribution and then Northern Ireland Screen came on board which was amazing and then we're CE as well um, and the thing that kind of blew me away and still blows me away is that everyone was so supportive of me as a first time director um, and I thought I would have to I don't know, it was almost the opposite, like, and Pippa was really supportive of me as a first-time director. It was like, I thought I, I never, I wasn't too attached when I was writing the script of directing it because I didn't want to get in its way. But then Pippa was really encouraging of me to do it. And then in the end, the reason I did it was because um, I genuinely felt like I was the right person to do it because I was, you know, the thought of someone, like, the thought of, to be honest, an English man coming in and directing <laughs> it and, like, killing all the Irishness and kind of was, like, would make me lose sleep. Yeah. So, um, I, and I also kind of, I mean, the chance, probably the most likely would have, just because there's more male directors, it probably, if I hadn't directed it, probably would have ended up with, you know, yeah. and I just thought, why let that happen? Like, it's kind of like, it's, it is my baby. I love it. I know the characters. It's terrifying to think of directing it but like I want to I, I think I can do it and I and I I kind of owe it to the script to try <laughs> and definitely you, you did an amazing job so yeah oh, what what amazing and thank you so much for chatting with us oh no worries thank you and thank you for having me oh thank you so much <laughs>